Welcome to Wealthy Behavior, talking money and wealth with Heritage Financial, the podcast that digs into the topics, strategies, and behaviors that help busy and successful people build and protect their personal wealth. I'm your host, Sammy Azuz, the president and CEO of Heritage Financial, a Boston-based wealth management firm working with high net worth families across the country for longer than 25 years. Now let's talk about the wealthy behaviors that are key to a rich life. Welcome to another edition of Wealthy Behavior, the podcast where we're talking money and wealth with Heritage Financial. Joining me today is my longtime friend and colleague, Kristen Kastner, who oversees our marketing and wealth management teams at Heritage Financial. And we're bringing you a different but no less important topic today as it pertains to your wealth. And that's your health and why focusing on it is so important and some tips and ideas for busy people to cut through the confusion and see results. I'm excited to have this conversation with Kristen today. After a 20-plus year career in the financial services industry at a prior firm, Kristen has spent the last five years as a certified health and lifestyle coach and has been with Heritage for the last two and a half years. So it's safe to say she's passionate about wealth and health, and I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Kristen, welcome to Wealthy Behavior. Thank you for having me. I should say welcome back since you do also produce the podcast with one of your colleagues. So That's right. It's good to be on this side of it. Awesome. So anything you want to add in terms of that brief intro, in terms of how you're passionate kind of about both sides of these topic? No, I think that's a that's a good overview. It is correct. I enjoy uh, working on both topics, um, but I do think they go hand in hand. Um, you know, a lot of people spend time accumulating wealth and think about it if you're not healthy enough to enjoy that wealth someday. It's... Um, you know, like they, they should really go hand in hand. They do go hand in hand. And if you're not healthy, I don't think you have the opportunity to be as successful and devoted to the goals that you have during your career and, and to your family and, and things of that nature. So I definitely uh, agree. Where does it start for you in terms of, you know, the journey to health or the journey to improve your health? Uh, so first off, I'll say that I think, you know, being healthy means different things to different people. And the process for getting there is different because each one of us is is different, right? Um, we're all our own expert in our own body, right? We, we all know best what's good for us. But I do think that really the easiest place to start, whether you're talking about your goals being losing weight or you, you're battling disease or you know major or minor, whatever it is, it's all about what you put in your body. It's about the food you eat. That's that's the starting point. And anything else just confuses it and makes it feel really hard and unattainable for a lot of people. But if you just start with the food that you put in your body and it's it's about eating real food. And a lot of times when I talk to people about eating real food, they're like, well, what? I, of course I eat real food. I, I don't eat fake food. Right. But it's it's understanding the difference between processed food and food that's in its natural state. And unfortunately, in our society, um, you know, being stressed, not having any time, it's almost like a badge of honor, right? So that's our lifestyle is crazy. And we uh, default to doing what's easiest. And when it comes to food, if you're doing what's easiest, you're probably eating a lot of processed food. And that becomes the source of disease and, you know, excess weight, feeling sluggish and all the things that people in January say, hey, I want to fix. Yeah, I think it's you know starting with with food is is important. Guys, you know when they do get together to talk to their friends about getting in shape or being healthy, it's all about you know they want to lose weight. And 
you're always reminded in those conversations, stuff that you read is basically 80% of that it, losing weight is what you eat and 10 to 20% is, is exercise and it's not the, the inverse. So simplistic way of looking at it, but one that I think a lot of guys can relate to, at least when we're constantly trying to lose the same five to 10 pounds over and over. So that's easy or can be easy, but it's not really simple because there's a lot of confusion on what the right way to eat versus the wrong way to eat. There's keto, paleo, this, that, the other thing. Um, do you have any thoughts on kind of how to get through some of that confusion? Yeah. You know, one thing I'll say is um, I, I do think people oversimplify what's real food. It's like, no, no, I, I know what real food is. But again, if you think about it, like most people don't think about something as simple as um, like peanut butter. You can get peanut butter by grinding up nuts. So where I, I shop at a Whole Foods, um, there's a nut grinder, right? So I just go and I push the button and my you know organic nuts go through the grinder and then I come away with a little container of peanut butter. That's real food, right? You could also go down the aisle and pick up a jar of peanut butter that's been sitting on the shelf. Um, you don't know how long it's been sitting on the shelf. You don't know when it was actually manufactured before it got to the shelf, right? Um, but chances are, if you turn around and look at the ingredient label on that, you'll find that one of the first ingredients is sugar. So now, now you think, well, why does my peanut butter, my ground up peanuts need sugar in it, right? So something as simple as peanut butter that you just might go through and say, hey, that's nuts. That's good for me. And if you're not reading the ingredients, there's a good chance what you're eating is processed more than you think it is. And a lot of times processed food includes sugar or, or worse, um, you know, ingredients that you, you can't even pronounce, right? right. <laughs> if, you, if you read the ingredient label and don't understand it, your body's not going to know what to do with it either. So, so that's why I, I do think a lot, a lot of people say like, oh yeah, I, I do eat, you know, real food and unprocessed food, but a lot of times you're not, um, anything that's like sitting on a shelf, probably, you know, it has to have preservatives in it. So really, um, I think before even getting to like what type of program, how many, um, how much protein should I eat and how much fat should be in my diet and all that, it really does just come down to look at what you eat. Real food is ingredients. Processed food has ingredients, right? So I, when I shop as much as I can, I'm shopping the perimeter of the grocery store, which is where you're going to find the ingredients, right? You're going to find fresh fruits and vegetables, um, and, and meats, right? Um, so, so you want to be eating as much as possible, the things that are ingredients. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I know, uh, you know, people do get pushed into those center aisles, whether it's because the kids are pushing us or because, you know, we just like some of the stuff in there yeah. and it is extremely important to be, as you mentioned, a, an ingredient detective. That's right. What, tips would you have for folks in terms of learning how to decipher some of the, you know, ingredients that they're, they're, they're looking at. There's different words for sugar, you, you know, that you'd be blown away by if you were to kind of go down a rabbit hole and try right. to ferret out all the different ways that you can hide some of this stuff on those labels. Yeah. Yeah. So it does come down to just reading ingredients, which um, you could say it, it does take time. But a couple of times through the grocery store, when you're picking up the stuff that you, you know, always pick up, 
and you read ingredient labels the first few times, now you know like, okay, that's a brand I'm going to go for because I know that there's not a lot of, you know, extra unnecessary ingredients in that. So it's, I'd say it's worth, you, you got to read the labels. It's worth the time to put in. Um, it is something that if you do the work initially, you know, it's not always going to be work for you. Um, but to, to your point, yes, sugar comes in a lot of different forms. Anytime you see something ending with coast, like glucose, right? Um, you could be pretty sure that that's, you know, some, some added sugar that you don't need. Um, and really you just look at the label and, and ask yourself, like, does it make sense that that stuff is in there? So I definitely try to stay away from any label that has ingredients that I can't pronounce, right? Um, ingredients on labels are listed in the order of how much is in it, right? So if sugar is like the first two in the first two or three ingredients, there's a lot of sugar in there, right? Um, and you can also look on the label and see how much sugar is in it. You know, so so staying away from stuff you can't pronounce, um, staying away from stuff that has sugar as a primary ingredient, and just ask yourself, like, does it make sense that that's in here? Is that really what I think this is? There are some really good brands. Um, being cognizant of the food we eat and how the standard American diet has caused so much disease is something that has become um, well discussed. Um, it's it's very mainstream now. So there's just a lot of people. There's always been a lot of people that are concerned about their health, particularly this time of year, right? But there's now a lot of people that are concerned about their health and they know that it starts with diet. They, it starts with the quality of the food you put in your body. Um, so there are a lot of brands now that uh, are very clean. And so if you just put the effort in, you will find those brands um, you'll find Facebook groups around this topic. You can do a ton of research online. I have my, you know, favorite brands of things that I buy from the inside aisles. So if you just put the work in up front, um, it, it will pay rewards over time. Got it. So start with what you eat, start with understanding the labels, stick to the non-processed stuff, the outside of the uh, store, when you go inside the store, be more diligent and vigil vigilant about understanding what's going on there, which is, you know, great, great advice and does require a little bit of effort, but important things do. Any thoughts on kind of taking it to the, the next level with some of these programs and, you know, restrictive diets or things to cut out or things to focus on, or is that more noise or relevant only to, to certain people in certain situations? Yeah, I don't think it's noise. I think it is the second step. So once you clean up your diet, then you start to figure out what is right for you specifically. Um, so for example, carbs have a bad rap. I feel like they've always had a bad rap. There are good carbs and bad carbs, right? Good carbs are kind of the real food carbs. So, and a lot of people just think, well, I, I just can't do carbs. Um, but you, you might be surprised once you're eating good, clean carbs, you, your body might handle it well. So it's clean up your diet first, um, and then it's figuring out what, what works for you. Is it fats? Is it carbs? Is it protein? How much of those things do you need? And all of that is just trial and error. So nobody can tell you, and I know like even doctors will try to tell you like, you know, you need a certain amount of protein. Even that's all over the board. It really depends on your own body and your own metabolism. And again, we're all different. So it is trial and error. If you clean up your diet and you find that after certain meals, you feel sluggish and tired, 
that's a key sign right there that your your blood sugar is is spiking and, and falling, right? So it's like, okay, something didn't sit well with me. Maybe I had too many carbs. Um, maybe I'm not eating enough protein, right? So you make adjustments after that. So again, I know a lot of people often just want the recipe, right? Like just tell me how I should eat, what I should eat, you know, and and that'll that'll work for everyone, but it, it's not that way. Um, and and also over time, things change. As you age, things change where you may have been able to handle uh, a lot of protein, you know, 10 years ago, maybe now your body's not going to like that. So there's this, um, it, it, have you ever heard of intuitive eating? I don't think I have, no. Yeah. So intuitive eating is really, it's just like what it sounds. It's like, it's just paying attention to your body. But again, because of our lifestyle, we're always on the go. We eat on the go, right? We don't ever stop and think about, hey, how did that meal make me feel? But that's a big part of figuring out what's the right approach for you to. You have to uh, just be cognizant of how what you're putting in your body makes you feel and make adjustments. Um, that doesn't mean you have to like keep a log of everything you eat, um, but but just you got to slow down. You got to, you got to chew your food and make sure you can actually digest it. And then you got to reflect and kind of see how you feel. And if you, and if you're not feeling well an hour later, then you know, you need to make an adjustment. So again, that might make it feel more difficult for people because there's not just one size fits all, but the flip side of that. And the positive is that nobody knows your body better than you, right? So you just need to slow down and pay attention. Yeah. And one thing I've become an expert on, as I, I joked earlier, but it's true, I've become an expert at losing the same 10 pounds over and over and over and over again. And I do like to read. So I've read a lot about these different diets. Not that that makes me any kind of knowledgeable expert, but the one thing that helped me kind of short circuit some of this conflicting advice is there tends, if you wanted to kind of aggregate all the different approaches to eating, you can very quickly find commonalities and exclude the extreme outliers. Yeah. Right. So I think there's only like a couple of food eating programs that say, yeah, eat all the saturated fat you want. Okay. That's probably not something I want to do. Right. At the same time, I can't find a single one that says, yeah, eat all the, you know, processed white stuff that you want. And so if you see where the overlaps and similarities are and exclude some of the extreme uh, one-off examples that you're only seeing kind of in one school of thought, um, it could help you kind of distill to a point where like, okay, these are the ones that, these are things that are kind of universally accepted, good to eat, no matter who's advocating. And these are the things that, yeah, it's really only one or two programs that are, are saying I should go in this direction. Right, right. It's definitely, it's definitely trial and error for sure. Right. I mean, if you just think of how many different diet programs there are out there and everybody says, this is the one, this is the one that's going to work. Right. There is no one size fits all. Maybe getting back a little bit to how do you connect this passion of yours, this pursuit to it's important in people's financial overall well-being. How do the two fit together in your world? Well, so Wealth for, and health. Yeah, for me, it was it was right before I turned forty, and I was as you had mentioned, I've been in this business for a long time. And this business is, um, you know, it's intense, right? Um, and it was right before I turned forty that I kind of just thought to myself, like. At the time, I was thinking 40 was going to be over the hill, right? <laughs> I didn't realize that my 40s were going to be like my best decade yet, which I'm happy to say they were. Um, 
but I was, I was worried about getting old and I'm like, I, I don't feel, I have a lot of aches and pains. I have a lot of, um, you know, kind of chronic, you know, whether it's sinus infection or just a lot of stuff that, um, I couldn't seem to get a hold of and was, um, you know, on some medications that I, I couldn't seem to shake too. And I was like, man, I am never going to feel better. I'm getting old, right? Like I'm going to be 40. I'm going to be old. I'm never going to feel better than this. This is not good. And I've been working so hard to build up a nest egg because I have so many future goals and dreams and things that, that I want to do and all these places I want to travel. And, but what if I never feel better than this? And that was kind of the light bulb for me of like, oh, health is part of wealth, right? Like if I don't get a hold of my health, I don't have energy. If I don't, um, you know, want to jump out of bed in the morning, then what good is all this wealth going to do me, right? Like I'm not going to be able to do the things um, that were the reason I wanted to build up a nest egg anyways. Yeah, no, it makes uh, complete sense. And it's harder to build the nest egg if you're not feeling good, you're not feeling healthy. You just yes. don't have the energy to have the drive. Yes. It's even harder to get to that point to begin with. Yes, to totally agree with that. And I will say that the first big change I made was to change my diet, to get really clean about the foods that I put in my body. And I will say this, it was within just a few months that I definitely noticed I was showing up different in my career. I had much more mental clarity. I had much more confidence, uh, which, you know, I, I think is important um, for, for anyone progressing in their career. Right. Um, and I had dealt with stress a lot better. So all those things also helped me to be better at my job. Um, so, so yeah, I to totally agree with that. So I think the biggest challenge when people try to do what we're describing or what you're describing more than, than me is how to do it when you're busy, right? The, the advantage of processed food or fast food or even yep. healthier fast food is it's grab and go, right? Um, so if I haven't planned ahead and I'm starving, it's accessible, it's ready, it's off the shelf. Then the other thing is just people have uh, social lives, right? They have whether it's networking for work purposes or, you know, having fun uh, in the evenings, weekends, dinners, things of that nature. How do you advise folks in terms of, you know, how rigid to be about this? Like what percentage of the time do they have to be, you know, eating correctly versus kind of any leeway and how to handle the, the busyness of it? Uh, I think COVID gave a lot of people, a reality check in terms of how busy they they had been. And, you know, they've kind of taken some positive habits out of that for balance, but probably not enough. Yeah. You, you do have to plan, right? Like, so. So there's no magic different. bullet. You are planning yeah. no matter what. <laughs> right. But think about it. Any, any part of your life that's important. What do you, what find a part of your life that's important that you don't at least do some minimal planning for, right? So you just don't want to fly by the seat of your pants, which you wouldn't do with anything in, in life that's important for you, right? But it's also, you don't have to be perfect. And this is where a lot of people get stuck, right? They think I have to do this perfectly. And the minute I go off track, because guess what? We're all human and everybody goes off track. The minute I fall off track, it's like, oh, it's over. I can't clearly I can't do this. Right. And that's not the case. It's, and even for me, as, as clean as my diet is, 
I'm human. Right? So I just came off of, um, you know, two weeks around the holidays when uh, my mom and dad were in town to visit. And guess what? <laughs> there were a lot of, there was a lot of sugar. There was a lot of, um, you know, more processed food, right? It happens. I'm human. We're all human. So you you know, uh, very, you can't go into thinking you have to be strict and, and, and follow, you know, all the rules all the time. It just doesn't work that way. You can move the needle immensely, even doing the right things, you know, 70% of the time, right? Um, and the other thing is stress is a big part of health. Stress shuts down your digestive system, right? And think about it. If you're, if you've done all the work cleaning up your diet, you're eating all this great stuff, all these great fruits and vegetables, all kinds of nutrients, but you're stressed all the time. Your digestive system is not working and you're actually not pulling the nutrients out of that food, right? So you're really kind of undoing all the good. So you you also don't want to go into um, a, a health journey um, thinking you have to do it perfectly, stressing when you fall off um, because it, that stress is going to undo any progress that you made. So you just have to Go into it thinking, I'm going to do good more than I do bad. I'm going to focus on just putting good, clean, you know, nutritious food into my body. I'm going to do it most of the time. I don't have to be perfect and I'm not going to stress over it. And you will move the needle, right? Like if you just kick out some of the biggest offenders that you have day-to-day processed food, um, you'll move the needle. Planning is going to help you. Um, but like I said, I think anything important in your life, you're going to spend a little bit of time planning. So this, you know, it shouldn't be a burden. Yeah. And some planning things that I've done that I have, I think worked out well for me is what, what big thing is, you know, networking. If you're networking, if you're meeting somebody for lunch, you're meeting somebody for a happy hour, you're going out to a meal, you're going to an event and, you know, that starts to add up in, in terms of, you know, calorie fatigue and, sure. and all the things that we're talking about. Two things. One is just check menus online. Uh, and then when you find a spot that serves, you know, a good rice bowl that you like or salad or whatever it happens to be, just keep going back to it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing is I found that a lot of people that I'm meeting are kind of in the same boat. They don't always want to meet for lunch. Maybe we'll go for a walk or maybe I'll just come by your office. We'll grab a cup of coffee and and talk. So don't assume that others aren't thinking along the same lines of, you know, different alternatives. Cause I found that that they are. And yeah. even yeah. if they're not, they're open to change or they're open to ideas. Yeah. I think that's a great point. My, my favorite um, restaurant hack, uh, in addition to looking at the menu in advance um, is to consider the menu to be your list of ingredients and don't just think you can only order what's on the menu. Right. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen you do that. It's like, yeah. I'll have this yeah. from here plus right. that plus that. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. When I see it hit your plate, I'm like, she's, if that was me, I'm still going to be starving. So <laughs> well, this is not, that says nothing about volume, but just like, you know, I'm always looking at what are the sides too, right? Like I don't right, just right. eat with the meals, but what are the sides too? Right. You look at that menu good enough, you know what ingredients they have and you can, you know, can kind of craft your own, your own meal. So, cause there's nothing worse than sitting down at a restaurant and being like, oh, I don't want to eat anything that's on this menu because I'm not sure I'm going to, you know, it's going to feel good or I'm not going to feel good about myself. Right, 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 yeah. Right. The hard, the hardest menus to navigate are the ones that are just heavy on the fried food, the bar food that, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty much toast if that's where you end up. Yeah. So if you can plan ahead. And, you know, maybe avoid that, that I think you'll, you'll be good. So that's the uh, intake 
side, what what do you counsel people on activity? I know we we kind of de-emphasized it, but there are tremendous benefits to it, regardless of where it fits into the weight loss formula. How how, how do you think about kind of activity activity goals uh, as it relates to health? Yeah, you just got to keep moving, right? And that that's also like people are always saying like, oh, like how you know you work out five days a week or no, you just got to keep moving, right? Um, and and actually, Heritage has kind of helped me out a lot with our um, step challenge. Our step year. challenge, yeah. Right? Our October I mean, step challenge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, I, I live in a climate now where I could probably walk all year long. And until I was in my first Heritage step challenge, I was like, why am I not doing this, right? Like, it's just, it's it's a great way to just keep moving. I think walking is really underrated, too. Um, so, so again, I think it's all very personal. Um, I will say that there, but to, to me, I always thought cardio was like, that, that's probably the best type of exercise. I do very little cardio now, like the walking that I'm, that I'm doing is probably the most cardio that I do, but strength training as you get older, um, really important for your muscles, right? So just yoga is so good for you mentally, right? So trying to just mix in a couple different things, um, some cardio, strength training, yoga. Again, most people just need to start by just committing to to do something. Yeah, do something you enjoy. What For these days, it seems like everybody's playing pickleball or paddle tennis or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, I haven't taken up either one mm-hmm. of those things. I'm recovering from knee surgery still. So you and I, have talked about this in the past. I have a, a business coach at at Heritage. You're a you know a coach, a health coach. How do you think about besides the goal setting, how accountability plays into this, and and how important it is, and maybe things that you can do outside of taking the the big step of 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 hiring a coach to make sure you are staying committed to what you knew you wanted to do, but sometimes it's very hard to to get the follow through. Yeah, good question. I I think accountability is huge. Um, I guess there's a couple couple different ways to to look at it. Um, so as a coach, you know, I, I was kind of taught it's not about you telling people what to do. It's about you helping them figure out what they want to do, right? Like if if you're so if you're someone that um, you know that is working with a coach, whether it's you know in, in your career or in your health you want help, right? You, you kind of raised your hand and, and said, I want help. Well, the, the coach's job is to really help you figure out what you want to do. Um, I, I can tell you everything that I do to stay healthy and tell you do these five, 10 things, right? But it's it, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you, right? So it's it's kind of just about teaching general concepts and then sitting back and saying, okay, now what what of this do you think you could do? What are the things that you know if you just change those things, you know, you'd see results, right? And and kind of let the person figure that out. You're you're much more likely to do the things that you really want to do than what somebody tells you to do, right? But accountability is is huge in terms of stepping out of your comfort zone, doing something that maybe you know you've wanted to do, but you can't figure out how to get there. When someone else is relying on you to do it, when someone else is kind of gently pushing on your back saying, hey, you can do this and I'm going to check in and make sure you do. It's, it can be game changing. And I know everybody has different budgets and you're not able to do everything necessarily that we suggest here. But if you, you know, hire a personal trainer and you pay for those sessions, you'll probably show up to those sessions. And 
Um, same thing with, with an accountability coach or accountability partner or, or just a friend or somebody important in your life. My great strategy when I was trying to lose weight it was shame. I would make huge, ridiculous bets with everybody I knew that I could do something extreme in terms of some kind of race or event that I'd never done before that would force me to get in shape or basically just as some kind of weight loss contest. And the stakes would be as big as I could get. And I would rope as many people as I could get into it. And I would talk as much trash as possible so that if I was just sitting around not doing it, I knew I would be <laughs> embarrassed, owe a lot of money and fall flat on my face. So <laughs> there's something to be said for that approach, but it's not the most mature way to do things. Yeah, but it does. It, uh, that's funny, but it does. It If it's not a coach that, you know, you're, you've hired it's, it's, as you said, it's also just, um, it's a group, get a group of friends that all have the same goals, right? Do something with your spouse. Um, you, you, Steve and I have been working out with a trainer now for more than 10 years. Um, and it all started with us basically saying, I'll do it if you do it. And, and, and we do like now, if one of us can't make it, you know, and the other ones, you know, says like, for example, if Steve can't make it, I say, well, I think I'm going to skip, you know, he holds me accountable. He's like, no, 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 you're good. I can't make it this time. Right. And we've been doing it together for probably more than 10 years and, and it works. So find a buddy, whether it's, you know, a spouse, a friend, find a group. Um, this is where social media can sometimes uh, be helpful too. Right. You don't even have to know the people, but you just, you know, find like-minded people that are pursuing the same thing, uh, I think has the same impact. That's awesome. So as we wrap this up, what would be the number one thing you would have people take away from this conversation? I think I can guess. And if people have been listening, they could probably <laughs> guess. Uh, so I'm not expecting any surprises, but what's the one, what's your main takeaway? Yeah, it's change your diet and change your life, right? Like it just eat real food. You move the needle so far by just kicking out processed food. You wouldn't believe how much better you'll feel. And, you know, do you have any kind of viewpoint or sense of, you know, vegan, vegetarian, red meat, those are all, you know, whole food approaches that some have, you know, vilified portions of it, some are big advocates for other portions of it. Is it, any any views on that? Yeah, so I was um, pretty strict vegan for a while. And actually, um, uh, Steve came along with me um, for wow. a good portion of that journey. Yeah, which is... Um, that says a lot. <laughs> but, um, but in the reason that I wanted to try it um, was just a recognition that if you're eating meat, then you're consuming ultimately whatever that animal has consumed, right? So you, it's kind of like just taking another step of like, okay, well now what did that cow consume? What did that chicken consume, right? You know, so I wanted to kind of just try and see how would I feel if, uh, on a vegan diet. And I felt great, to be honest with you. Um, and found a lot of great recipe books and a lot of great recipes. You know, you can do a lot with, with vegetables. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm not strict vegan anymore, but I do pay a lot of attention to the quality of meat, um, okay. that I, that I buy. So, so it's just, it's just kind of extending that same concept, um, e even further. You want to look for, you know, animals that are treated humanely and eating, um, good stuff, right? Like, some some of the reports I've read about what animals could be eating is shocking. So I, I know it's anecdotal and it's a case of one, but do did you feel worse when you kind of started eating um, quality meat again after 
No, no, I didn't. And I think um, okay. part of this is is just quite frankly, um, you know, as we age, we have different needs. And, and so that that's why I brought meat back into my diet. Um, and it's also everything in moderation. I would say still, I probably only eat meat a couple of times a week. Um, it's definitely not like, you know, meat and potatoes every night. So it's at everything in moderation, but no, I, I still feel great. I think I was more surprised at how great I felt when I was, you know, eating strict vegan and, and not having any meat. Um, and, and dairy is something we didn't really talk about, but dairy, a lot of people have problems with dairy and they don't know it. I always suggest people um, should just remove dairy from your diet for a couple of weeks and see if you can tell the difference. A lot of people do. A lot of and what, what are some of the things they'd notice? So a lot of it is, um, has to do with just like dairy creates a lot of mucus, right? So for me, um, a, a lot of the sinus problems that I had, that I had, you know, surgery on my sinuses, I had been on medications a lot, nothing got rid of all the congestion in my head, the way getting dairy out of my diet did. But I, before doing that, I never would have said I had a problem with dairy because you just don't know, right? Yeah, you, so. you don't. Um, that's kind of how I discovered that uh, aspartame gives me migraines, you know, the equal, the blue. Uh, I yeah. think at some point, for some reason, I cut caffeine out of my diet, which was a miserable four days. I'm never going to do that again. But in the process, I did discover that um, caffeine wasn't an issue, but the, you know, the Diet Cokes and whatever was sweetened yeah. with aspartame, uh, you just gave me killer migraines. And that was good to know because that had been an issue for for many, many years. So bottom line from both of us is it does behoove you to take some different approaches, you know, cut things out, try different things, see how you feel, be thoughtful about it and, uh, yeah. and, and make the, the, the decisions that uh, impact you the best. So yes. Kristen, thank you very much. I think this was an awesome conversation and I really appreciate you joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Wealthy Behavior. If you found the conversation useful, please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode so those around you can live a rich life too. We appreciate your feedback and questions. Please email us at wealthybehavior@heritagefinancial.net. For more insights, subscribe to our weekly blog at heritagefinancial.net and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Check out my personal finance blog at thebostonadvisor.com. Wealthy Behavior is produced by Kristen Kastner and Michelle Kakamis. This educational podcast is brought to you by Heritage Financial Services, LLC, located in the greater Boston area. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast or that of the speaker are subject to change and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment or strategy discussed will be successful or will achieve any particular level of results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal.